You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robin. So men in this men cave series, we've been trying to connect with our nucleus, have we not? And so ladies, as you roll your eyes, we know last week we said we need your help because we understand that men and women are equal around here at City Church downtown, and that's why we challenge you with the PIN challenge, and I walked you through that. Uh, the PIN stands for, the P and PIN stands for pray. Pray for the men in your life, your brothers, husbands, sons, uh, your future husbands, some of you, some of you are going to pray for a guy, and God's going to provide you with your husband. Uh, at the end of the series, some of the girls said, yes, I'm going to get on my knees right now, man. Uh, but anyways, the E in pen stands for encourage, right? You want to send text messages and notes to the men in your life that encourage them. And then the N in pen is the most significant, and that is the no nag rule, right? Uh, some of the men are like, yeah, honey, did you hear Pastor Doug right there. No nagging during the series. We've got 30 day, 35 days left, ladies, and so you can make it. And remember, uh, if, ladies, if you weren't at church last Sunday, uh, first of all, thinner. But second of all, uh, the ladies last week took the no nag pledge where they said, uh, if I nag during the man cave series, may the fleas of a million camels nest on my armpits. And so we said, watch out for the fleas, ladies. They're flying this way if you uh, nag during the series. But what we've been trying to do is to encourage each other to be men beyond machismo. And so will you say that word machismo when I point to you? And you got to say it in your machismo voice, you know what I'm saying? So let's try saying machismo. Ready? Here we go. Machismo. Yeah, some of you got extra cheese in the machismo when you said that, and we want to be men that are beyond all of uh, that. Now, um, we saw last week that in a cave, David showed his true heart to God, but Saul, on the other hand, was a machismo man, and the prophet Samuel had to say to him in chapter 13, verse 14 of his book, uh, but now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And men, if God is looking for a man after his own heart, I want to ask you, will you be that man? I had a friend that was a man after God's own heart some years ago. His name was Roger. He had a daughter. Her name was Mary. And Mary came to Roger one day with tears in her eyes. The thing you got to understand about Mary is that she was popular. She was beautiful. She was a cheerleader in high school. And she had a path and a plan for her life. But that particular day, she came to Roger with tears in her eyes, and he knew it was something significant. And she said to him, Dad, I'm pregnant. And that would alter all the plans that they had for Mary. And Roger knew that Mary understood his spiritual convictions and expectations of her And he had a thought in that moment. And the thought was this, how you respond to her right now will affect her view of God for the rest of her life. Look right here, did you catch that? How you respond to her right now will affect her view of God for the rest of her life. And men, that is the influence that you have as spiritual fathers and biological fathers that some of you are in situations right now where you're having to respond. How you respond right now will affect someone's view of God for the rest of their lives. This talk is not timely for some of you right now and what you're dealing with, but someday in the future, some of you men are gonna remember that life script in the time you need it the most. And I hope you'll think about it, how you respond when that time hits, will shape someone's view of God.
for the rest of their life. Now, I want to start out today with a quote from a guy named A.W. Tozer, and then I'm going to connect that quote to uh, being a father today. A.W. Tozer is a great Christian scholar and author, and he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And the reason uh, that I brought that quote today is because there is this connection between our earthly fathers and how we view our heavenly father. Did you catch that? There is a connection. And what happens if you make the wrong connections? What happens if your view of God has been so skewed by your earthly father that you're actually to a point of worshiping a different God, not the God of the Bible? So uh, Jesus said to people, if you've seen me, he says, you've seen the Father. Jesus referred to God as Father 189 times in the Gospels alone. So it's a significant theme throughout the Bible. And all of us have fathers. And so this talk today applies to the ladies as well as the men. Um, and if God is revealing himself as Father, and there's this connection between your view of your earthly father and God, what do you think the enemy's plan is? What do you think his goal is? to distort fatherhood so that when people look towards God, they'll look to something false. Now, look, I'm not Dr. Phil, but I have spoken to literally thousands of teenagers, college students, and adults over the past 20 years. And I can tell you a majority of people's issues go back to their earthly fathers. People are either helped or utterly jacked by their relationship with their earthly father. Because some people would say, well, when my dad was, uh, he wasn't around for me, he wasn't there for me when I needed him the most. But what everybody wants is the protection and blessing of a father. I've even talked to men who would say, you know, they kind of buck up when they say this and they're like, I don't need my dad. I don't need him. I've got a better car. I drive a better car than my dad had. I live in a bigger, better house. I make more money than my dad did. Well, why do you bring it up like that, man? I've talked to some guys and I'm like, you know, the very fact that you're saying it with the tone that you are now reflects that you are still trying to get the approval of your father, even though you're a grown man. See? I've met a lot of ladies that are trying to get a lot of different male affection through different guys and different relationships. This is one uh, failed relationship after another. And I think author Anne Lamott captures it well when she talks about one of her failed romantic interests. She says, having failed once again to get my father's dog suit to fit this man, he did not want to wear it. It did not fit him any better than it fit any of the other men I've loved since my daddy died. You see what's going on there? Men, have you ever had a woman that wanted you to wear her daddy's dog suit? Ladies, are you putting that suit on a man that doesn't want to wear it? And as we uh, talk about fathers today, it's not just about biological fathers, but it's also about what I'm calling spiritual fathers. Because the church is a spiritual family. It's not an organization. It's an organism. I say all the time that church is a family, not a franchise, made up of spiritual fathers and sons, brothers and sisters, children in the Lord, in a spiritual family. And you know, we have a fair amount of millennials that come to our church. And I would say to those of you that are uh, younger people, you don't need 
just another church that has like a really hip Snapchat or Instagram. What you need is a church with spiritual fathers in it that'll call you out and mentor you and lead you down the path. You also need community with brothers and sisters in Christ, in tribal community, in uh, what we call tribes or groups of people that encourage each other in the Lord. We've got a couple of those for you younger people. One's called Urban Millennials, and then the one for the youngest of the uh, millennials is uh, just simply called City Church Downtown Young Adults. You can get information about both of those out in the lobby, uh, and there's what's called a tribal menu, and it shows all of our groups and tribes in there, and you can find both the ones I just mentioned in uh, that menu. But before we can learn about what it means to be a good biological or a good spiritual father, we have to look at our father filters, because we all had different kinds of dads. Maybe some of you had what I call the good dad, and he wasn't a great dad. He's a good dad. He generally provided for you. He was there for you most of the time. I mean, he still did some goofy stuff, like, you know, he'd wear black socks with his sandals and stuff like that, you know, and he still does that stuff, but uh, he was basically a good father, but others had what I'll call the absent father. The absent father may not have been doing anything wrong. Uh, he, He just, maybe he died young, And that left you without a father for much of your life. Or perhaps um, your absent dad was absent because of a divorce. I mean, he didn't want the divorce to happen, but it just happened. And he wasn't able to be there, uh, you know, in the way that you wanted him to be there. Other absent fathers are gone a lot because they work a lot, you know, and they're just trying to do the best they can to provide for the family. And Uh, They're gone a lot, and maybe you want them around more, but that shapes your view of God. And then there's the passive father. And you know the passive father, when everybody would say, oh, boy, we know who wears the pants in that family. You know, they look at your family, and they're like, that controlling woman over there controls the the family. You know, she uh, wears the pants in that family. And I really don't like that whole wearing the pants pants metaphor. And the reason I don't is because if one of the partners in the marriage, in the relationship, if if only one can wear the pants, then someone else is being embarrassed all the time, aren't they? And can't we all have pants, you know, and just wear the pants and uh, respect each other and partner together to raise our kids. Uh, But then there's not only the, the, the passive father, but then there's performance father. Some of you know about performance father because your grades had to be at a certain level in order to get performance father's affection. And sometimes if you weren't as good at grades or you weren't as good at sports or whatever, he would even compare you to other siblings in the family and make you feel like you were less than and you didn't get the accolades, you didn't get the hugs if you didn't perform, see? And you know why that affects your view of God? is you think that God is walking around with his smartphone and he's got an app on there with your, you know, uh, your sins and stuff reflected on the app. And every time you sin, like he just taps the app, right, to record every time you did something wrong. And in your mind, on that app, there's a ledger. There's a bad stuff I've done and good stuff I've done. And you've got to make sure that there's more good stuff I've done than bad stuff I've done recorded by God in his little app on his phone um, so that he will give you hugs and affection and love you. And some of you came to church today because you're trying to make up for something on the bad side of the ledger that you did last night or sometime during this week, you know? But that is not the way God operates. But others have what I would call the abusive father. And we all know about that, and I have to bring that up. But it causes kids to not trust men. It causes kids to say, what's wrong with me, even into adulthood? And uh, this particular abusive father, he would give you life scripts and microscripts like, you're stupid. 
or you'll never amount to anything. Or if you walk out that door, you better not come back. Abusive father sometimes says things like, you don't tell anyone what took place here. See? And some people that I've talked to who don't believe in God had abusive father. And what they'll say to me when we start the conversation is, well, you know, um, I don't believe in God because I've done this rational, logical thinking about it. And I read a couple of atheists, Richard Dawkins books, you know, and I've really thought logically through this and come to the conclusion that there's no God. But when we drill down deeper, we can deal with all those questions. That's not a problem. We've done a whole series that. We've do, done a whole series on proof for the faith uh, every single year. But when we drill down in some people's souls, what we find is that really it's not about logic and rational thinking. The reason they don't believe in God is because if God is a father, because of the way my father treated me, I don't want another one of those in my life. See? So we're all affected by our father filters. Now look at the super father. The super father is the last one I want to mention because some of you had super fathers. I mean, he was smart, rugged, handsome, the like, like Rick Grimes on The Walking Dead. I mean, his son, Carl. I mean, Carl's a wingnut, isn't he? He's always running off into hordes of zombies he shouldn't be doing. And, you know, uh, Rick's calling for Carl. He's like, Carl, you know, Carl. Rick can go in there and he can take care of all the zombies. And then there's that father from Friday Night Lights. I like that TV dad. Uh, That was coach Eric Taylor. And he was a great father to his daughter. And he was like father to the whole football team in a sense. Then there's the number one TV dad of all times. And of course that was Andy Griffith. You know, remember that show where it's like the dude's whistling at the beginning of the episode and Andy has this little kid, Opie. And, you know, Opie's like, gee, gee, dad, let's go fishing, you know, and they get their fishing poles, they whistle, they go down, there's this great moral lesson uh, in the episode, Aunt B, make us a pie, you know, this kind of thing, it's a great, uh, wholesome little show there, and that was the super dad, and the super dad, man, like I said, this, this guy, he is sharp, he is uh, handsome, he's rugged, he can fight, he can do anything. As a father, that's pretty much the dad I relate to, you know, as I think about uh, fathers, because we all know that pastor's kids never get into any trouble or do anything wrong, do they? They always turn out perfect, and pastors never make mistakes either. But one of the first things that we'll see about fathers today in Scripture is that fathers have a heart to give. And as I say that, all of you who are fathers, you know that it's in your heart to want to give to kids. We see this in Matthew 7, 9. Look at it with me. Jesus says, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Dads, you want to give good gifts, and that's the way God thinks about us. So look, we understand, fathers, that we can't spoil our kids. We get that. Certainly God gets that as a father. He don't want to spoil us, you know. Uh, Sometimes, you know, he doesn't always give us everything that we ask for or that we want. But you know what? When you have a bill that's coming due and you're praying to God and asking him to provide, what do you think's in his heart? You think he's like, he's up there saying, well, I want to teach you a lesson, Opie. No, it's just like he wants to provide for that. He wants to give to you. You know, if you ask for a filling of the Spirit, if you ask for God to move in your life and do something good in Spirit, he, that, it's within his heart to want to do it. If he asks you to give something up, it's not because he wants to take from you. 
Every time God asks you to give something up, like a behavior, an action, or even to give to the poor or someone who's hurting, it's because he wants to give you something better. God is a giver, not a taker. It's at the heart of the gospel. If you look at John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave, see, and that's always in his heart to do. And men, we want to emulate Father God in being givers, not takers. But uh, there's nothing that breaks a father's heart more than when your kids want something and you can't give it to them. Sometimes you even have the resources to give it to them, but you know it's not wise to give it to them. But this begs the question, what about when we fail our kids? Because we do, don't we? Sometimes we don't even know it. We fail them. Sometimes it's intentional and we do something wrong, but spiritual and biological fathers sometimes fail. But here's what I want to encourage you in, men, is that when you failed and when you've disappointed your kids and the people in your life, give them the gift of repentance and change. Look, you won't win their respect immediately, but if you will repent and turn to God and humble yourself, that is a gift to your kids. That is a gift to the people in your life. They need to see a man who's willing to face the reality of what he's done. Face his own junk. Not point the finger at others, but face his own stuff and look in the mirror and go through recovery and deal with the issues, wounds, and pains that cause us to uh, be involved in dysfunctional behavior. And when you do that, I've talked to a number of kids, like 20-somethings kids and uh, teenagers who've had dads that have repented, and it was a gift because they say, look, I know my dad used to be this, but now my dad is something completely different. I've seen the change. And you know why that's so significant? Because kids grow up, they make their own mistakes, and you're not so bad after all. They grow up, they make their own mistakes, and you know what they saw you leading by example is that you repented well. And they're like, you know what? If my dad can repent and change, I can do it too. And that is a great gift to give uh, to our kids. But one of the things we understand, men, is that even though we know that how we respond affects people's view of God. You are not God and your super dad is not God either, okay? I don't care if your dad was super dad 20 years in a row. He is, I don't want him to be my God because God transcends anything that you and I can think of. He's beyond anything we can imagine, even better than all of our super dads rolled into one, see? So God is just that awesome and he's that good. But here's another question that kids wrestle with. And that is, what about when it feels like my father's failed me? Or what, what, what about that? Well, did you know that even Jesus had to deal with that question? What about when my father fails me? Look at some of the last words of Jesus' life when he was hanging on the cross in Matthew 27, 46. It says, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See? You know, the Psalms are filled with these honest prayers of David where he's just like unloading on God, saying, God, it seems like you're nowhere around. Help me. Why aren't you helping me? And it's healing sometimes for you and I to go before God and really get honest and cry out to him and tell him that just the way it feels right now. But I want to show you something else that's very significant, men, in healing is to bless your earthly father. This isn't just for the men, but it's for all of us, isn't it, really? 
bless your earthly father. Being a man beyond machismo means forgiving your earthly father's mistakes. You're not saying that what he did was right, but it's forgiving him. And look, I've been, over the years, I've been to five different counselors to deal with the junk in my own life. And I've got a microphone here today. If I wanted to, I could stand up here and go down a list of things that my dad got wrong and I could dishonor him publicly here today. But would that say something about his heart or mine? See, the Bible teaches we honor our parents. Sure, we have to work through our wounds. I'm not talking about, you know, sweeping things under the rug. We deal with it in the appropriate settings. But you know what's healing to us? It's when we forgive and we bless them and we make a list of the things that got right. And men, I would challenge some of you to call your dad this afternoon and tell him the stuff that he got right. And there have been times when I've called my dad on the phone, I'm going through this process, and I tell him, look, Pop, you know what I appreciate about you? Pop, I appreciate that you taught me how to water ski. Pop, I appreciate that you came to my football games, my basketball games, and my baseball games. Pop, I appreciate that you taught me how to cross like a barbed wire fence without like stabbing myself, you know? Pop, most of all, thank you that you raised me in a home where at least you gave me the opportunity to go to church where I could hear about Jesus and learn about him, see? And when you do that, when I speak life into my dad and bless him, it heals me, see? So uh, bless your earthly fathers. Now, there's this principle I've talked about before called the first mention principle. It's a, what's called a hermeneutic or a principle of interpreting the Bible. And what first mention means is you look for a concept when it's mentioned for the first time in the Bible, and that shapes how that concept or thought or principle uh, is viewed throughout the whole of the scripture and even today, see? Well, the first time God is mentioned as father in the Bible, where is it? It's Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 30. And you know what it says? The Lord your God, who has gone before you, will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the desert. There you saw how the Lord your God, what? Carried you as a father carries his son. Fathers have a heart to carry, don't they? We want to carry. How many of you dads have ever had to carry your kids in from the minivan when they were asleep and they didn't even have the energy to get in. It's like they're in that car seat in the car or in the minivan and uh, you get home and you've been on a long trip and you scoop them out of their dads and you carry them in, you lay them in bed and they wake up the next day and they don't even know how they got there. They're just like, eh, you know, I'm, I'm home, I'm in my bed, I'm safe, I'm good to go. It's because you carried them. And that's the way God does with you and I. Look, there's this father. His name is Dick Hoyt. He's a great example of a father who carries his son. And we brought you his story by way of video today. Go ahead and take a look. What that father did for his son will affect that son's view of God for the rest of his life, will it not? That is a man beyond machismo who carried his son, see? You know, while we're talking about first mentions, you want to know the first mention of love in the Bible? Is the first mention of love 
in the Bible is back in the Old Testament where Abraham carried Isaac up a hill, carried his own son up the mountain, and he was supposed to sacrifice him if you read the story. It's kind of a weird story, isn't it? Why would God ask a father to take his son up a mountain and sacrifice him? Well, if you read the story, you know that God provided a ram in the thicket there for the religious sacrifice. So, you know, Abraham didn't have to sacrifice his son there because there was a ram there. Well, you know, Isaac is a picture of Jesus who walked the Via Dolorosa or walked up the hill to the cross to take my sins there and yours. And you know, as a father, that's part of the reason why I can think I want to carry my spiritual kids or I want to carry my biological kids, you know. And some of you fathers, it's, it's time to just carry a kid. It's like you got a 20-something and they got a bill due and you're not going to enable them and pay for everything, but you can carry a bill so they don't get their electricity paid off sometimes, you know? Some of you dads got a teenager that's just spewing hormones at you all the time and all kinds of disrespect. And you know how you respond in those moments will affect their view of God for the rest of their life. And so maybe you just carry them, sometimes kicking and screaming with love. Some have spiritual daughters in your life. Maybe you know a, a, a woman in the church and she's like a spiritual daughter to you, but her bio dad screwed her over so bad and uh, did so many you know, hurtful things that you need to speak life into her and just say, you are worthy of being loved. You're beautiful and you're loved. You're a daughter of God and you're a spiritual daughter of mine. I'm proud to have you. Others have a spiritual son that's relapsed. You know, he's trying to go through recovery. He fell down and you go to him with love and you pick him up and carry him. And you say, though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up again. And so I'm going to carry you, son. I'm going to pick you up and we're going to keep rolling with this. But what you understand, spiritual investigators, if you really look at it spiritually, is that God's carried you to this point. It's like the kid who wakes up in bed and realizes, wow, someone was carrying me. I didn't know that. We're all the kid, aren't we, in one sense or another? And maybe the reason that you ended up here today is because there's this perfect, good Father that loves you, that's perfectly holy and that cares about you. And he's carried you here today because he wanted to adopt you as his child, his daughter, his son, because he loves you so intensely. So with that in mind, how about we bow for prayer? And uh, if you're new to church, one of the reasons we close our eyes in prayer so we can just kind of focus in on God and block out all the distractions. And maybe you're a spiritual investigator who today's your day and you want to talk to God, maybe someone here for the first time you've ever even talked to God. And you want to believe today. And I want you to just talk to him in your own heart. The words you say are not nearly as important as the attitude and motivation and sincerity of your heart. But just think these words because he's so powerful. He can even read your thoughts. Just think, look, Lord, I know I've sinned. And now for whatever reason, I get it that when Jesus died on the cross, he was carrying my sins. He was carrying me. He was both the ram of the sacrifice and the son. And Jesus, I choose to believe in you and I receive you into my life now. God, welcome in. (laughs) Thank you, God, for those who just prayed that. There are others that are fathers 
who have screwed up. Some of us, we didn't mean to. We we're trying our best, but our kids remind us of what we did wrong and our shortcomings. And others of us, we, we did some stuff we're just not proud of. And so, Lord, we want to come before you now in humility and say, God, I didn't get it right, but I want to repent. I ask for your forgiveness. And I'm changing. I was going one direction before, but I'm going to go a different direction. And, and you know what? No, no matter what anyone else says, I'm coming after you, God. I'm going to follow you. I don't care if people keep blowing me up about what I did in the past. I'm going to follow you. And others of us need to forgive our earthly fathers today. That's how we can stop those dominoes of dysfunction. And we're just saying to God, look, God, I'm not saying that what my did was right. It was wrong. But the best I know how, I forgive him. And I don't want the poison of bitterness in my soul. For some of you, you, you'd forgiven your dad before. This is not a new prayer for you, but it's like you need a tune-up on your forgiveness, don't you? Because the old feelings come back and it's like, dad, uh, uh, father, uh, again, I'm forgiving my earthly father because he didn't always get it right. And so would you just heal me now of that wound and I'm going to keep blessing him and forgiving him as I move forward. Father God, thank you so much. You're a great dad. You're so kind to forgive us and heal us. And we receive all the good that you're bringing in our lives today. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.